I'm Hayes Hartwig. This is Bamboo, Vancouver's property management and investment podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Today, what we're going to be discussing, we've got a sort of a fire table chat going on here with the VRI guys. And, uh, Previous shows, we've talked about tenant screening as well as we were talking about with the lawyer, what to do when things go awry. So the idea here about concentrating more on proper tenant screening is so that you don't end up having to go to the RTB in the first place. So without further ado, I have Peter and Ken, both from Vancouver Rented, here with us. And um, welcome to the show. Let's uh, figure out how to get good tenants and not end up at the RTB. <laughs> yeah, sounds sounds good, Hayes. Sorry, uh, sorry. Thanks for having us back and uh, always uh, happy to discuss uh, tenant screening, which is obviously a big uh, big part of our jobs. Absolutely. It's a, probably the biggest, I would suggest. I mean, people always hear about the, the horror stories that can easily be avoided by just doing your diligence before they move in, <laughs> which is, for some people, reason, people overlook that. I think they get like lost in the the dollar bills you know (laughs) so um what are some of the methods that you guys use like in your own personal like i mean we'll go through a whole bunch of different things but maybe we'll get right off the hop credit check because every single landlord seems to ask for this and think that it's the end all be all for this like do you guys use them for every time or um so no i don't do a credit check every time um, if the client asks for a credit check, um, I will wait until we've kind of shortlisted one or two applicants, yeah. usually just one. Um, you know, the person that we're basically going to accept pending the credit check. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, you know, go for a credit check on, on the tenant. Um, usually I'll also ask the tenant and say, do you want to just provide your credit karma? you know, yeah. screenshot or something like that, just to make it a little more casual as opposed to, you know, you need to give me your whole Equifax <laughs> right. history. Now, I have done that before. Uh, some clients yeah, look for that. It's very important to them. Uh, and some clients are not interested in the credit check. Yeah. Um, personally, I think it can be a useful tool, but it's not something that I uh, feel the need to do be a blanket every single time it with. Yeah, for sure. Like, what do you think again? Yeah, it's case by case. I mean, in my in my experience, it's not. It, it is not the NLB. Um, a lot of times, um, you know, people from out of town, or out of state, uh, or even overseas, they come into the city without having credit check uh, done because they don't have credit. You know, point blank mm-hmm. in Vancouver. Um, so you know, asking for for this as a mandatory requirement to rent is a little irrelevant. Um, we are starting to see a lot of banks like BMO or RBC. They're allowing users to go on online portals and they can hold a soft credit check. It's an aggregate score of all their accounts, and it doesn't hurt their uh, their credit score. So it, it is to some extent some justification that they have some money you know on hand. They don't have too much debt. And, and it builds the aggregate score for whoever's looking at that uh, that, that account, that person. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's the same way, as, especially when people offer to bring in their own credit check. I find it's almost like a bit of a gate. So if I like, ask, you know, like, hey, can you provide a credit check? And I'm like, hell yeah, no problem, here you go. Then it shows you, like, if the person is like, oh, I don't know about that, you know, all of a sudden it's like, 
a bit of a flag, you know? Like yeah, if, yeah, if they're willing to play, if they're willing to play ball right off the beginning and say, "Here, here's the credit check for me," no problem. Um, then that's definitely a good sign. Exactly. I mean, to to what you're saying, if there's some red flags or or speed bumps when you do ask, like, oh, you know, might I not have this? Or hey, by the way, I got to disclose this to you. Then you know, it, it may be of consideration that they might not be the best candidates. Yeah. But again, it's case by case. You know, everybody has their own personal finance history that uh, may be good or maybe bad. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. Especially like I find the people coming from the service industry, which is one of the places that I came from, like a lot of us didn't have any credit. I knew a couple of people who didn't have even a credit card because you're leaving with 300, 400 cash a night. Why the hell do I need a credit card? I've got cash, right? So that's sort of one of those things that sort of, I think it depends on a case by case basis. And I, I fully agree that I don't think that the credit check is the end all be all to determine that because otherwise, that's all anyone would run and they would bother with anything else. <laughs> yeah. I also think uh, it's super dependent on the property that you're renting out. Yeah. If you're renting out a you know super luxury property, you know, maybe it's a little more important. If you're renting out a you know seventeen hundred dollar basement suite, it, obviously it's important to have your you know ducks in a row in terms of the tenant screening for that. Yeah. But you know, the person renting a seventeen hundred dollar basement suite may not you know, have the greatest credit in the world. And that might be something that you either look past or maybe that's, you know, something that you take issue with. So, yeah. And to your point, like, you know, some some of my best tenants, they didn't have good financial literacy. You know, they, they screwed up when they were younger and they were very upfront with disclosing with us. But uh, when you know, at the time of signing or at the time of renting, you know, they, they proved to us or to myself that uh, they were qualified. And so it, it kind of tells you that not everybody is perfect. And you can't judge everybody by the same methods. You know, some of the some of the best tenants are people who didn't have good credit score, but eventually found responsibility. And then some of the worst tenants have perfect credit scores. So, you know, <laughs> exactly. Who's to say, right? Yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> I said that we would probably be sharing some war stories. I mean, the one that I screwed up the most was the one that ended up turning into a brothel, and. <laughs> That guy actually had, we did a credit score. I mean, he had great credit yeah, for us. I guess he's making some extra coins, you know what I mean? <laughs> but I mean, um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get a bit more into that later about the, the war stories because I'm sure you guys got a, a a couple of ones where things go awry every once in a while. I mean, you only hear about the planes that crash. I'm sure that the other hundreds <laughs> of properties that we manage are all fine. But every once in a while, humans do crazy shit sometimes and you're just like what happened right so yeah it's interesting too like we use that application form because we're professionals but i think that like more like diy landlords should use application forms and most of them don't and it's interesting like you think that they just email them like just a list of questions you know but a lot of them seem to just kind of as i said shoot from the hip and i think that when you when they end up in these problems, it might be just from not the foresight to ask basic questions: where do you work? <laughs> what is your current landlord? All this sort of stuff, um, and and follow them up, of course. And I, I, do you think that there's any really important questions that all landlords should have on their application form, or or should they just rip off rip off ours? <laughs> uh, honestly, I mean, I really like ours. Um, I think it asks a good amount of questions. I think you don't want to ask you know, 
a t- so many questions that it makes it difficult for the yeah. people to fill you know, for the prospective tenants to fill out the application because you don't want that to be a barrier to entry. You know, I'm, I'm sure there's lots of tenants that are putting in several applications at once at, for, at times, and, and they might not want to fill out a, a one hour questionnaire about every single you know little detail and you know ten of their past landlords and you know yeah. five of their past employers and stuff like that because that information's in my opinion largely irrelevant, um, but for sure asking some questions about their current rental you know rental history and their current employment is, is extremely important um, those two kind of questions where do you live right now and can i talk to your current landlord and where do you work right now and can i see some sort of proof of, of your employment those yeah. are the in my opinion the, the more important things to ask uh, we uh we seldom forget that um Actually, sorry, we, we often forget that we, we're all bound by rules. We can't ask certain specific questions. Oh, absolutely. You know, there, there's certain human, things human you just thing. can't ask. Yeah. So, you know, from experience, I'm sure all of us will, will agree, you know, we have found ways to obtain information uh, to the best of our ability to report back to our landlords uh, in order to build a, I guess, an aggregate character yeah. application of a person without having to ask specifics, right? Um, I don't know about you guys, but some landlords, you know, those that do it themselves or those that come to us thinking that they, they have a certain way of controlling what we can and cannot do, or maybe they request specifics that we should ask landlo- uh, tenants. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the things they're asking is it's illegal. Frankly speaking, it's illegal. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've had a few landlords try to ask stuff about like race and stuff with that. I'm like, me damn business, man. <laughs> <laughs> like we're we're a multicultural place, man. We can't go be <laughs> judging things on race and stuff. <laughs> it's just not not ready to go here. So yeah, I, I fully know what you mean. Like you have to like just ask the questions that you actually need to know. Yeah. I think one of the ones that's also important is to ask the amount of occupants, the sheer number oh, of because as the prices get up, which we cover in every stat show, you know, last the last podcast we did the stats on, I mean they're generally always going up and so people are having to get a little bit more creative so we kind of have to look at that and make sure that it adheres to the bylaws to your buildings because like a bunch of them you know have four occupants only for a two-bedroom so if somebody wants to put a fifth no can do (laughs) yeah it's a legitimate question right i mean that's one of the starting points of my conversation with tenants i ask them how many occupants they're looking to rent with when they're looking to rent and then any pets yeah it's a it's a very standard questionnaire yeah, absolutely. And that's actually a good segue into the interview process. Like, as Peter, you and I covered on the show a couple shows ago, basically, like, when people come in for the uh, the unit, it's kind of a, an interview that you have to sort of ask them and get your feel on them and, you know, see see if you like this person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting to you. As I said, I also came from dealing in the casinos and the poker rooms for many years. And so I have a pretty good ability to read people. So you kind of want to gauge that, especially as us being a a landlord, you want to make sure that you like this person because you're going to be in bed with them for like a year minimum. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely a consideration. And, you know, we're talking about the application process, but the, you know, application process, quote unquote, technically for me, at least starts you know, the first email from the from the tenant. I take a look oh, yeah. at the email, the way they wrote the email. Honestly, something that I do, which might be kind of weird and overkill, is every single person who 
comes through my inbox, anybody who sends there and I see their full name, I'll just Google their name and take a quick look. <laughs> and you'd be surprised at the number of people who have popped up on CTV news being arrested for something or breaking the law in some capacity. And sometimes maybe it doesn't matter, but there's definitely been some people who have reached out to me for a rental and I've Googled them and seen tons of stuff and just gone, nope, not even going to bother being in the same room as this person. <laughs> yeah, I, I fully agree because, you know, I, I tell people this all the time when tenants ask, oh, how, how do I... How do I set myself different from other applicants? You know, mm -hmm. treat it like an interview, treat it like a job interview. You know, would you come in, uh, you know, wearing certain attires or not prepared, you know, asking what the listing price is when you're already in the property? You know, that, that, that shows me, obviously, you, you haven't done your research, you haven't shown sincerity, or you're just shopping around, right? Oh, absolutely. Especially one of the ones that always irks me is when you get the first response and they say, what is the address? It's the first damn line on my ad. Why are you trying to give me $3,000 for a rental unit that you don't know where it is? That's just mind-boggling. Yeah, mind you, we're here to help. You know, we're, we're very courteous people. We're professionals. We're not here to belittle people or, or say certain things about how one might act. But they, they have to play the part. They, you know, it, it's a two-way street, right? If we're going to do business together, it's a two-way street. I'm going to put my best foot forward. I expect you to do the same. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, Peter, that you mentioned that you Google them. I Google them. I Google their phone number. I Google their landlord because I've run into a couple times where their quote unquote landlord, you'll find them on social media like holding hands. Just like a friend, like, friend of theirs mm, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Know. I actually did have that uh, happen once. I, um, they gave a landlord reference uh, and it seemed legitimate. You know, I looked up the person and it seemed legitimate. But then I looked on the website of the, prospective tenant where he said that he worked and one of the people who was part of the team was you know one of his co-workers and I thought yeah. ah, you know maybe it's possible that his co-workers renting to him or maybe it's just one of his buddies you know posing exactly. as a landlord so and that's where you kind of like you got to delve in there you know what I mean and uh, social media is a great thing to go looking up on it um, and You'll find people lead the craziest stuff oh, yeah. on social media sometimes, you know, and you're just like, what are you doing? Especially on Facebook Marketplace. Facebook oh, Marketplace. So now, lots of people have a separate profile um, or a closed profile where you can't really see anything. But if people are messaging you for a property on Facebook Marketplace and you see, you know, you can see some crazy stuff, like you said, and maybe people don't realize it's there. Maybe they don't care. Uh, but I care and my clients would maybe care so i usually you know shy away from those sorts of tenants building on what you said you know if if you disrespect the landlord references their friend you know the best way i would do is i would call them and ask specific questions specific questions that they may or may not be able to answer and depending on how they answer you kind of get an idea whether or not they're bsing yeah absolutely and throw out a couple like red herrings when you're oh, yeah. doing the checks never hurts because then you can see if they're just giving you a shine on or what, what are they doing? You exactly. Know? If they're very yeah. brief, like, yes, 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 yes. yes. They, they, if they just say yes to every single question. <laughs> well, know. I mean, yeah, I oh, could say he, yes too, right? Yeah. Oh, is he moving in with his girlfriend? And they say yes, and he's moving in as a single occupant. Well, you know, maybe they don't. Maybe the landlord reference has no idea really, exactly. <laughs> really what the situation is. Exactly. Yeah, the other thing too I find with the landlord reference is if you're starting to suspect that it might be just a friend or whatnot, I go ahead and pull a title search. Like, because we have both licenses, it's pretty oh, easy to be used, used to doing that. Wow. So you just go and pull the license for 15 bucks. Yeah. Why not find out if they own the place? You know, that, that way at least it's a better idea if yeah. they are. And if they're not, then it's like, so you're renting to your friend, but you don't own the place? But you don't like, own it. Yeah. That seems a little 
suspect, right? So yeah. you can start delving in. I mean, and ultimately with the interview process, I mean, if your belly is saying something, listen to it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've I've definitely been wrong about people. I, I've uh, I've definitely seen somebody online and then gone to meet them and then thought, oh, that person was actually super nice and I, I didn't expect it, right? Yeah. Um, but I've more often than not, if I meet somebody five minutes in, I can generally tell if this person applies, would I want to accept them? Okay. Yes or no? And you know, it's a pretty successful. You can usually tell within a couple minutes of meeting oh, somebody. For sure, right? There, there is also the unfortunate uh, human aspect of this whole application process. If somebody is trying their best to dupe you, mm-hmm. they're gonna find a way to lie to you. Yeah, and, and you know, we are ninety-nine percent accurate. I would say the one percent is uncontrollable. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've, we've all been caught at least one at a time. You know what I mean? You, no one can be flawless. Exactly. It's 100% guarantee. Yeah. I mean, and the, the, going back to the trusting your belly thing, every time that I've gone against it, like they look great on paper, everything lines up, awesome credit score, blah, blah, blah. Every time I've gone against my belly, I've ended up paying for it. <laughs> in every, some, in some way. In some yeah. way. Whether it be, you know your old energy or just stress. Yeah, I don't, I don't mean pay as in like throwing out cash. For sure, you know, no, for sure. Definitely you end up with like a harder time or end up at the RTB or something. Just It's something. not a smooth run. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm sure that both of you guys at least once. Costing <laughs> business. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it just depends. Also, something to consider sometimes is that, um, you know, some of my clients, they, they want the price to be so, so high that we really only get one application. Yeah, and then when we tough. only get one application, well, they seem pretty good, I guess, because we don't have anything to compare it to. Or and then the client goes, "Oh, sure, that person seems fine," even though you know maybe it would be nice to have a couple different options. Yeah. Um, and that's when it gets bad is when you get desperate, or the client gets a little desperate and just kind of grabs onto the first tenant that comes along. And, and that's definitely when you can get in trouble. And maybe a little bit of the tenant screening goes out the window when they go, "Ah, that person's fine." If they're, oh, they can start September first. Perfect. Great. Yeah. Right? yeah. You know, if there's some questions, like especially if they're suddenly moving, that's it's part of the process. And we'll get into some of the questions and stuff that you should ask a current <laughs> landlord when you're calling them, because that you know if they're gonna book it on their first landlord, they're hundred percent gonna do the same to you. You're like you'd be arrogant to think that that's not gonna happen. Just to just to finish off on uh, Peter's note, I mean, it's a balancing act. Uh, the way I. The way I approach my business is really I include the landlord through the process of screening. So that way they understand from the get-go that, you know, at the end of the day, they, they make the final decision. I take them through the process, but we're in it together. So there's yeah. no finger blaming. You know, like, uh, like what Peter said, if, they, if it's a very specific unique property where we only really get one applicant, you know, I do my due diligence best I can. I give my advice. At the end of the day, the landlord is the one that's deciding. Yeah, you know, I'm deciding with the lender, but they're the ones that pull the trigger. So if something goes south, we're in it together. It's not, hey, Ken, you chose the bad, uh, the bad tenant, and uh, it's all on you. Yeah, well, what's one of the ones that blew up in your face? There's too many, man. There's too many. We've been at this for a long ass time. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, one, one that blew up in my face uh, was um, a, a property in, uh, in Gastown. Um, not the nicest area, to be honest, bit of a seedy area. And, uh, I would rented out a couple other units in the building and also had issues dealing with, you know, the types of people who were interested to apply. Yeah. Anyways, I accepted this one guy, uh, and guy was nice. Guy lived, previously lived in North Van, uh, which is where I live, uh, you know, grew up there, uh, found all his social media, seemed like a regular dude. 
Um, and then one month into the tenancy, they got a big note from the Strata. He was Airbnb-ing the place, and he said it, he was renting it to his brother or something. We went back and forth. To be honest, to this day, I've never found out exactly what happened. He ended up just moving out after a month um, without, you know, just did a midnight move. But it was a huge, huge headache. Um, and yeah, I, I don't really know what really went wrong. There wasn't really any red flags there. It just kind of one of those was one of those ones that on paper, the guy seemed, you know, he didn't seem incredible, but he seemed for sure good enough yeah. <laughs> and for sure good enough job checked out his landlord reference. Um, I don't specifically remember if it was super good or, yeah. you know, but it was definitely good enough to you know, pass it along to the owner and, and for him to be accepted. And the owner, like Ken was saying, the owner was definitely a part of the decision. Um, we had a couple other applications and this was the one that the owner selected. And this guy just turned out to be a bad egg. Oh yeah, for sure. So, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny with the Airbnb ones because that's like kind of the scourge in the rental bracket, especially because the building finds the owner, not the tenant, right? So like, if you're going to, if you know that you're going to be getting kicked out anyways, because you're Airbnb and the rental that you're not supposed to be Airbnb, why would you not just stack up that and disappear into the night? Right? Yeah, the Airbnb fines are a thousand dollars for every instance, whatever an instance is. And an instance could be the building manager sees one person for two days and then sees a different person for two days. That's $2,000 right there. Yeah. Sees another person for two days. Oh, that's $3,000. So it can rack it up extremely quickly. And obviously the tenant can just disappear yeah. into the wind and the owners can can be on the hook for that sort of thing. Yeah, I find a lot of times though that when you're dealing with the stratas, because I've had to break up one in Richmond before, and if they see that you're doing everything you can, within the, the, the rules, because that's the other crazy part about yeah, it, is exactly. that I was say. they're still protected by mm -hmm. the residential side, even though you need a license in Vancouver, not that anyone has one, but you need a license in Vancouver to run an Airbnb. So would that be commercial? Like that's, it's just nuts because Airbnb wasn't around when they wrote the laws, right? So yeah. they need to update that. Speaking about my example, I was lucky the guy just left because if I had tried to evict him and he didn't, want to be evicted oh yeah he could have stayed for five six seven months yeah right so um you know these these things they're very rare they are <laughs> but rare. they That's do rare. happen um and uh obviously it's our job to try and you know mitigate that from the start but also you know we know how to deal with it kind of if it does happen and, yeah. and know of ways to expedite the process you know the rtb process <laughs> if if you can even call it expediting but yeah yeah i, I do find that uh the ratio is less and less now. I mean, yeah, definitely. In the last five to seven years, there were a bit more, but in recent years, it's becoming less and less. Just because, uh, you know, tenants don't have appetite for it, they don't have the risk tolerance for it, and also for us, I mean, really, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, barriers before I guess that extent where we have to evict people now, right? So mm -hmm. it's just very looked down on. It doesn't happen too often, but it still will happen. It's uh, one of those things where some some schmuck might think he's smart and he wants to make quick buck and you know do what uh, I guess in your unit what he did and uh, you know just take off in the middle of the night. Yeah, and they, we don't really know if he's actually doing it, but we're left with a fat bill. Yeah, absolutely. The the way that I dealt with the one because when I first contacted him, he tries to tell me that they're not Airbnb in him. <laughs> I'm not calling random tenants <laughs> accusing of this. So I essentially had to explain to him, like, dude, I'm looking at. You're posting on Airbnb, and lo and behold, this is how much of a 
donkey this guy was, <laughs> is that he used the photos that I used on the That's unit. Funny. That's real funny. They're my photos, bro. Very so, uh, entrepreneurial of him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right? Like, <laughs> well, that's one of the risks with furnished units, right? Like, yeah. like it's a turnkey business for someone want to run that. So the way I ended up dealing with him after he came on side, because I was concerned about him just running it. So what I explained to him is that if you continue to run this, like, I'm already putting in the paperwork to evict you type of thing. But I can also do 24-hour notices because we're property managers. I got all day for this, right? Mm-hmm. So I basically told them, like, if you keep on doing it, I'm going to meet every guest you have. <laughs> I'll be coming in and visiting all the time. Yeah. Your star reading will plummet. <laughs> so don't even bother. That's actually, that's actually a really good point. I didn't, didn't really consider that for, for Airbnbs. But obviously, the money would stop flowing pretty quickly if... Uh, if they had a one star rating because the uh, property manager, yeah. who's not actually the person Airbnb being it, kept coming in to uh, do inspections and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I'm glad that it didn't progress, but I was like kind of joking around with uh, my mom that seemed like it would be really funny to just come in like different costumes, you know, like yeah. come with a towel wrapped around you and just, like, a shower cap on and shit. You know? <laughs> like, who is this maniac? Like, yeah, why some, is he in my place? Sometimes you have to get creative, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Right? <laughs> One of the things that I, I think it's interesting to you that a lot of landlords miss as well is checking the proof of ID. And oh, yeah. it's, it's funny, like we all ask, we have that in our application that we want, you know, a license or a passport or whatever, mm-hmm. that so many people actually don't follow up and check because how do you know who's coming? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great point. I mean, <laughs> um, just, just so everybody is aware, legally speaking, we are not allowed to hold a copy of anybody's ID. Correct. Yeah, that's actually you have to look at it. There. Look at it. We are allowed to look at it. And we cannot take photos or keep a copy of it. Yeah, exactly. But that being said, to your point, Hayes, you'd be stupid not to look at people's IDs. Yeah. <laughs> they can tell you their name is Joe Smith, and you really going to sign a contract based on what they tell you or what they write down on the application. No, of course you want to check who they are. And also, most people have middle names, and when you have middle names. If you're very thorough with your contract, you want to write the, thorough name, the middle names. In mm-hmm. the event you go to RTB or anything like that, or you want to check a, you know, a soft Google check on them, you need middle names. Yeah, absolutely. So you want to make sure you get as much information prior and verify the information. That's the big part. For sure. Actually double check things, right? Because especially as you said, people are going to try and get you. They're going to put up a couple of ways to get around it, but mm-hmm. chances are they'll miss something. Something. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, we haven't been for my business, I haven't really been affected by fraudulent IDs. Um, I don't think people are, are ballsy enough to go ahead and you know, do fake IDs and, and rent properties. But you know, I'm sure there's people out there that have done it. And uh, yeah, just I guess knock on wood, we don't ever experience that. Yeah, absolutely. Like I haven't run into any of that. And so far, everybody's IDs matched. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> so much, but it's just like something you need to check just in case, right? Um, so you want to make sure about that. So now we did talk about speaking with the previous landlord. So you're calling away, obviously we're gonna verify everything. What are some of the questions that you ask the current or previous or soon to be previous landlord to make sure that your tenant is gonna be a solid one? Um, to be honest, uh, kind of depends on the flow of the conversation, but one of the more important uh, points I find is uh, that maybe people might forget is in a stratified property asking about um, any violations, even if they're 
super minor. You know, somebody might say, oh, did they pay rent on time? You know, that's great, right? But if the person, you know, maybe they did, did pay rent on time a bunch, you know, they paid rent on time every time, but they put the recycling in the garbage can 10 months in a row and, yeah. <laughs> and, and racked up thousands of dollars of fines. That's also possible. Or maybe they sped by the, sped through the gate, uh, the parking of the parking garage without stopping, mm-hmm. which is also another thing that you can be fined $200 for. <laughs> so these little things, you know, it might not be a make or break scenario, but if the, the property manager or the previous landlord says, yeah, they were a great tenant, I guess, but they racked up all of these fines and made sure maybe they paid them, right? Maybe they paid them at the end of the day, but still annoying to deal with and you don't want to have those conversations so um kind of knowing how they lived in a stratified condo is is important for me at least yeah i mean i I definitely am a big believer you know to ask the landlords if they were provided proper notice it's a courtesy because a lot of times we get landlord reference calls from new landlords Mm -hmm. and you know we're not notified by our tenants in advance, <laughs> right? I mean, it, for, for the most part, it's fine. Um, I get that, you know, the market itself is very competitive and people may not have the time to, to give it a heads up, mm-hmm. right? So for the most part, I do provide the landlord references regardless. But, you know, if I was a landlord receiving it and my tenant hasn't provided me proper notice and they're getting this phone call, they're, they're obviously going to be taken by, back by surprise. And that's, that's they may true. not provide the, uh, the information that you want to hear. Right. And, and to your point also, it, it really depends on the flow of the conversation. I, I generally let the landlords speak. Mm. Right? Oh, yeah. I, I want to know what they have to say, the tone of voice. Are they going to elaborate or are they going to just keep everything very, 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 mm. very succinct? Right? If it's to a point, yes, no, maybe. Well, no, they're not really giving me much information to work off of. Yeah. yeah. So by then, I will make my own decision based on that conversation with the landlord. And when the tenant comes back and says, oh, have you spoken to my landlord? You know, we'll have that conversation with the tenant then. Like, hey, look, I spoke to the landlord, but to be honest, we're, we're with all the respect, they didn't seem like they were too eager to provide me a landlord reference, et cetera, et cetera, and then kind of elaborate more from there. Yeah, absolutely. One of the other ones that I ask about as well is how they were with maintenance. Like, you know, cause sometimes you can't get something fixed right now. Mm-hmm. So with the respectful of that understanding that, especially when we just came through like the COVID times there, like getting a new dishwasher took a while sometimes because they just simply weren't there yeah <laughs> so i want to know basically how was the tenant as far as maintenance were they respectful of timelines did they understand that uh, would they let the repair person in i mean that's past covid now but i mean now currently you know if we have to send over an electrician or a appliance person or whatnot they need to let them in yeah and that so you need to ask those especially as well with Things such as the mandatory building checks, you know, when they come in and check the fire oh, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we, I mean, we deal with a lot of stratified, so that's coming in. If somebody's dealing with a basement suite or whatnot, obviously they not as important. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, you can just kind of handle that stuff, right? But you want to just make sure that they're willing to play along. And obviously, of course, you're asking, you know, did they take care of the property and stuff like that? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, like paying for the paying for the rent and taking care of the property is kind of just a given. Like usually if I call somebody, they're usually just going to tell me that information. And yeah. if I want additional information, you know, I'll have to ask specific questions. Um, sometimes, though, previous landlords are super talkative. They're so <laughs> oh, yeah. chatty. And and that's usually good. Yeah. Um, most of the, you know, if I can just sit back, like Ken was saying, sit back and they're just going to ramble on about the tenant, whether it be good or bad, you know, get a lot of information from that. Mm-hmm. There's also one thing that I love hearing from 
land, uh, current landlords is when they say, oh, I wish the tenant wasn't leaving. Oh, absolutely. Whenever I hear that, I'm like, okay, sign them up right away. They're, they're you know, probably going to be fantastic, right? Like, yeah. you know, 99.999% of the time. If you hear that, that is like the best possible thing to hear. Yeah. The current landlord, especially if they're another property manager and they're like, that person was so great. <laughs> yeah. I just wish they were staying forever. <laughs> like, that's, that's always nice to hear. Yeah, especially like I always, one of my last questions that I always ask them after going through my battery of other ones is, would you rent to them again? Mm, and yeah. it's usually when you get that answer. And even then, sometimes you'll you'll hear that uh, uh, maybe like, oh, hold <laughs> on. What, what, why, are the, why the hesitation here? Like, let me hear the rest of your story <laughs> kind of thing. So yeah, there's, there, there, and I also, with the landlords as well, I also like throwing out some red herrings there as well. So sometimes I'll just deliberately get the address wrong. Mm-hmm. And see if they just roll oh, yeah it. absolutely exactly <laughs> sometimes actually a lot of times people don't even put the unit address right so when i call to uh to get the lateral reference check i ask them themselves what unit number they are or i, I like you said you know say the wrong number and then have them correct us mm-hmm. right so it's um we're fishing as well i mean we're, we're asking questions but we're also fishing for a reason to say no yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. The only thing with doing that is I have run into a couple of cases, not super often, but run into a couple of cases where the I say, oh, and can you just confirm what the rent amount was or something like that? And they go, oh, I, I can't, I can't reveal that. <laughs> sure. <That's> a- <laughs> okay. Like as if I, you know, actually care what the real rent amount was, you know, I, come on. Yeah, right? Or they say, I say, can you confirm the unit number? And they, oh, no, I can't, can't reveal that information. <laughs> I, I guess. Red flag. Yeah. yeah, that's definitely a flag. I was like, whoa, 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 right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it just you get it. You, it's funny that you're talking about that. You just let them speak. My grandmother, when she was alive, gave me the advice that you have two ears and one mouth. Which one do you use more often? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know, that's pretty good advice. Very good advice. Very good advice. Yeah. <laughs> Ironically, being that we're just sitting here talking and talking and talking. Yeah. So <laughs> what can you do? Yeah. Now the rent to income ratio. Across Canada is normally about thirty percent. Obviously, that does not really fly out here in the Greater Vancouver area. Do you guys have a hard and fast number, or how do you guys determine what a good ratio is, what a good number is? Um, honestly, it's super rare that the income even comes into play for me. I, I find that if they're applying for the property and that I've shown them the property, they can afford it. Do you know what I mean? I just mean like that there's, I don't get very many applications from people who are just like so far off that they just can't (laughs) afford it. It just doesn't happen very often. Like most of the time, if they've answered my questions, you know, and they seem like a nice person and I've shown them the property, they're already, you know, that's not kind of the issue at hand. It's whether they're going to be a good tenant or not. It's not really the, the, the money issue. That being said, I have run across people who are, are well below or, you know, they are spending too much. You know, mm-hmm. so the place is well, you know, outside their budget. Um, you know, forty percent, forty-five percent. I've even seen like fifty or percent, oh, like 50 which is just crazy. crazy. Yeah, because um, that's your gross income, right? That's not even accounting for for taxes and yeah. So it, that that doesn't um, doesn't come into play that often, honestly. But yeah, I'd say forty percent, probably maximum. Yeah. For, for me personally. But I've even had clients say, hey, I won't accept anybody above 25. Huh. And I, I, I know one specific one. That, <laughs> they're, they're very methodical. Yeah. They, they would not. I, I did have one client that was very, very specific yeah. and methodical, and they weren't wrong at all. It mm-hmm. was a little frustrating trying to it's find standard. the perfect tenant, but they had very high standards. 
and I couldn't fault them for it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they said you know twenty five percent basically. I mean, as long as they're okay with the place being vacant, hundred percent. Like, that's which, what that's when they give which, you like crazy yeah. amount of things that they need or want, but they need it rented in a week. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it is like you, something's going to have to give you guys. Like, <laughs> no, I tell tennis this. You know, to to everything we're talking about right now, I tell them. In order for me to facilitate pushing your application through, you got to help me help you. Yeah. If you're not giving me numbers to work with, if you're not giving me information that I can supply the landlord to make a sound decision, you're not doing it by justice. You calling me every day, hey, how's my app? How's my app? You know, am I gonna get an answer soon? It's just not gonna work, right? So to your point, what income ratio? There really isn't one. I mean, once upon a time, they said it was thirty percent. You shouldn't spend anything more than thirty percent income, but in today's time, it's very difficult. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to bridge that gap, more and more I'm asking people, look, whatever you're comfortable with, exclude any sense of information, show me some savings, show me some assets, show me mm-hmm. something that you're comfortable with to to, to make you know, to make the landlord feel comfortable about possibly mm-hmm. choosing you, right? Oh, yeah. If you're just showing me your, 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 your pay stubs, but the rent itself doesn't, you know, it's, it's what, it's like 2x your, uh, your, 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 your monthly income or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, it's not going to fly. Yeah. Right? You got to show other assets. I think most people who do apply, they understand that a single income nowadays, it, it doesn't work anymore. They got to have some savings. They got to have some investments going and stuff like that to, to kind of show financial literacy. Yeah. Which is interesting too, because I've seen some landlords and they're uncomfortable with like a boyfriend, girlfriend situation. And I'm going like... <laughs> You have two incomes. The likelihood of both of these guys getting fired at the same time is probably not it's very lower high. than just one of them. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, I mean, I like to see two incomes coming in because then we know, like, for sure we're going to be in good shape and the likelihood of somebody going down, both of them losing their job at the same time is not very much more right. unlikely. So, yeah. I mean, if I wasn't able to accept couples, I would not have very many tenants because most of my tenants are, even in one bedrooms and studios, are are still, these days, are still couples. Oh, absolutely. I'm going to post a couple. I think some landlords may have some consensus. They don't want new couples, like brand new, or we're moving for the first time because sometimes relations don't last. But at the same time, that's just like anything else in life, right? Nothing is forever. And there's risks. We take risks going out every day, Mm -hmm. right? So what's to say that? relationship might not work out. I actually have a, a story that just happened about that. Um, <laughs> so I was showing I, I was showing up a very nice $4,500 uh, two-bedroom suite down to, or, uh, unit downtown. Very nice. And I showed it to lots of different people. But one of the people was uh, a couple. And they came in and they, they seemed like they'd been together a very long time. Yeah. Uh, and this was maybe in uh, May or, or June, so not very long ago. Mm-hmm. And I just showed the guy another unit yeah and he was just him by himself and i recognized the name and i said when he walked in i said hey i, I think we've met before I, I you saw a unit you know a couple months ago and he said yeah yeah and i said just um out of curiosity is it is it just for yourself today or are you just looking for yourself to move in and he said yeah just me okay. so <laughs> if i had potentially they didn't end up applying to the two-bedroom unit yeah. but if they had you know, maybe the writing was already on the wall. Maybe they would have broken up two months later. I'm not sure. So um, who knows? But yeah. it was interesting seeing him, you know, very, not very much time had gone by since he was looking for a super expensive two bed. And now he was just looking for a more modest one bed Yeah, fair enough, because right? he broke up with his girlfriend. So. <laughs> yeah, it's funny too. One of the other questions to ask the landlords is when you're renting one with pets, is you have to ask about the pet. 
and I just find because everyone seems to be worried about pets and I personally prefer to rent to groups with pets because one you get a second deposit because mm-hmm. half a month is today age day you ain't going nowhere with half a month there's, there's nothing nothing going on I mean yeah penny in it's like 300 bucks to show up yeah. they haven't even swung a hammer yet right yeah so that that's one of the cases as well as when you're going to be allowing for a pet to come in like you want to know the age of the pet How, was it good in the other place you know mm-hmm. obviously a two-year-old dog over a puppy would be easier because i mean i think ken you had one where a puppy was eating a windowsill or something oh that was a long time ago i mean a puppy was chewing baseboards up yeah like, that, that's that's gonna add up real fast yeah. right that, that was a mess that, that story was a mess like they had a dog and a cat mm-hmm. the cat was fighting with the dog every day and the cat was clawing at doors and the, the dog was peeing and also chewing up baseboards wow that was a that was a huge mess yeah absolutely and it's one of those things that you know, like you have to make sure that you do your checks like if you have a place with a pet make sure you check in on it mm-hmm. i mean you should be checking in on your rental in general to stop things ahead of time you know like hoarding and stuff like this but i've seen so many cases where people complain about oh i had a a, a pet in one of my units before and they trashed the place blah, blah, and like you didn't notice this happening over two years <laughs> yeah it's not like the, the pet does it you know the, in the first week of moving in i mean possibly but yeah uh, it is possible but usually it would take a while for that sort of thing to happen so you should see some maybe some signs of it exactly it's the detect and correct basically right like make sure you check in on your rental unit because it's just a maintenance thing right and this is again a lot of landlords i find when we get a new property mm-hmm. they haven't been doing that at all and that's one of the benefits, I guess, of using a professional. Because as I said earlier, you know, we got all day. Yeah. We can show up and check on places for sure. like it should be done. Not to mention for insurance. Yeah. Because a lot of them want checks, some of them even as much as t- every two months, which is insanity. But yeah, I've seen that. I've done, I, there's a couple of properties I check out every three months for insurance purposes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, which is quite a bit and can, I guess, maybe feel a little invasive for the tenant. But, Absolutely. Uh, that's part of the deal. So, yeah, I usually find when you have those ones with the really high insurance, like with, sorry, with the check-ins, that's really short times. Is that if you're transparent with the tenant, then they're a little bit understanding. Do you know what I mean? Like, as long as they don't think it's for because you don't trust them. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. You just come in. It's like <laughs> the guy's insurance says, "After do this every three months." So sorry, <laughs> I'm just gonna pop in, do this, get out of here. It's not you. Yeah. <laughs> type of thing, right? Yeah. Um, Going, so going back to the thing about the, the pets with the kind of getting more information about the pet, mm-hmm. I find that the best kind of pet owners are the ones that they send a little cute little bio for their dog or whatever <laughs> with a little picture and stuff like that. If the people go to the trouble of, uh, you know, making the little, you know, bio for Baxter the dog, yeah. they probably care a little more than somebody who's just like, I have a pet and I want <laughs> them to be in the unit with me, right? So yeah, uh, for me personally and for some owners, that goes a long way of just showing um you know, that the, the person is a responsible pet owner. Um, and yeah, I, I think that's important. Yeah, for sure. The other thing too, now we, we were talking earlier about checking out the employment. So when you call an employer, what are some of the questions that you ask there? For me personally, just ask them whether or not they're fully employed, a contract, or, you know, what their status is, right? It's very important because a lot of times people are on probation that or, you know, they're on a contract that ends in a year. Right. Yeah, that would matter as well because in the year time, they may take flight, they might go somewhere else, might be relocated, or they might not have a job. 
Yeah, absolutely. I find also as well that you have to really listen to the employer. So if they like, oh yeah, Ken, or like, oh, Peter. You know, <laughs> like, just like, <laughs> more questions need to be asked on Peter's for sure. Yeah. Right? So, um, you know, that, that not, not throwing you into the bus sure. a little bit. <laughs> no problem. Totally just yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, income wise, it's, it's most people don't lie about it. Same as employer, like they'll, they'll kind of, They'll tell, they'll tell you what it's written down. Most people don't lie about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the thing too is, well, that you have to take into account that uh, with the privacy laws and all that, like certain employers won't want to give you too much. And so yeah. you, I think on the, at least on the employment one, you got to be a little bit more understanding, a little bit looser yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, you should just check to confirm their employment. Because um, yeah. especially, you know, if somebody sent, sends an employment letter and pay stubs and, and all this stuff and bank statements that show the transactions coming in, mm-hmm. to be honest, usually don't call up the employer just to, and confirm. Yeah. You should take those at face value. But if the person provides, you know, like a check from somebody or something like yeah, that, you know, there's or, definitely or a screenshot or a screenshot. There's definitely different levels of employment confirmation. Yeah. Um, and if I feel a little, you know, unsure about it, then you know, giving the the employer a quick call and just having them confirm employment seems seems pretty reasonable. Yeah, it's definitely a good, a good idea to confirm it. And to touch on your one about the contracts, if they're permanent or if they're in probation or whatnot, I also ask when their contract's going to end. Because, you know, if they are ending in a month, then you need to start asking other questions. Do you think you're going to have them back? They may or may not answer this, of course, but yeah, um, you want to make sure that you are making sure this person is going to stay employed. <laughs> for sure. And I think it also really depends on the industry as well. Um, you know, for, for instance, film. Uh, in film, I, I know I've got a couple tenants who they'll work for six months and then not work for six months. Yeah. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, <laughs> but, you know, other people, perhaps um, they, uh, you know, will, will uh, other other people will, will find a, a new contract very quickly in, in different industries. So it, sometimes it takes a little bit longer and sometimes it doesn't, but it's definitely a good question to ask. Yeah. I also ask uh, how long they've been with the company. If it, you know, obviously it's their past probation, how long they've been there. Cause obviously somebody who's been there for three or four years probably is fairly well established. So I find that more and more landlords are, they're, they're asking questions such as, you know, their, the tenants like visa status or if they're PRs or their citizen, etc. You know, it, it's a bit sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times I, I try not to dig further into people's status per se, yeah. but they are becoming more and more legitimate questions because if someone had to work for it for two years, right? I think, I think usually they, they're granted two years mm-hmm. permits, right? Um, some landlords may, may take into consideration what happens after that two year period, right? Will they, will they go back? Are they going to stay? Are they applying for PR? Mm-hmm. Some employers are reluctant to help them with that process. So that's also something to take into consideration. They're only here for 24 months and then they're gone. Yeah. Although some, I find some landlords almost prefer that turnover because as the rents, of course, go up, then they can jump <laughs> back into the market and be like, oh, I can collect the extra 200 bucks now or whatever amount that it went up. Yeah. seems to go up almost like 100 bucks a month, which is absolutely insane. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I, I might find more people, they're, they're more concerned about people taking a lot before, you know, or just right right before they, uh, their six uh, expire. So mm-hmm. they're, they're more uh, caring on that front. They want people to stay longer. They don't want people to up and go. You know, in a lot of cases, I find that people offer to be like a guarantor. So when you get the offer of a guarantor, what are some of the things you check on the guarantor? Um, 
the same thing uh, as it would for uh, for another mm -hmm. or for just the tenant, mm -hmm. um, but uh, you can be a little more in depth. I know we recently did one uh, where we pulled title on the person's house, which is always good because it means if you go after the uh, if you need to go after the guarantor, uh, I think you used the term. There was you know a little bit of juice to squeeze or yeah. something. Like that. <laughs> so yeah, that that was uh, that was that's good. I, I uh, that definitely made the client at least in that case feel very comfort comfortable and confident moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just because it's just additional guarantee, which is where the word comes from. Yeah, look at you, learning <laughs> things today. Yeah, I think that a lot of people need to use pulling title more often for. Basically, for the 15 bucks that it costs, you can do it down at land titles, you can do it online. You know, why would you not do that? 15 bucks to have that peace of mind is a really good thing. I mean, we pull title on all the landlords that we work for as well to make sure they own it, <laughs> right? Um, because, I mean, you can get yourself in a heap of trouble if you don't be working for the right person, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that it's really an underused thing that a lot of the DIY landlords should just if, the, if it has application, obviously, you know, like mm -hmm. to pull up, especially for case of a guarantor, because it, it's interesting too with some people who offer to be a guarantor. And then when you tell them like, okay, well, I'm going to put you on the contract then. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> so it's like you guarantee them, but not enough to put yourself yeah. on the line. Not legally, just a little uh, handshake. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right? <laughs> so it's like just to soften up. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. So I mean, that, that's sort of like service. for me, that's okay. a red flag as well. You for sure. Trust your friend, but not enough to put your neck out for it. Like, mm, yeah. I don't know about this one. Yeah. But I, I definitely don't mind a, a guarantor situation at all. And I think a lot of clients uh, don't mind either. Yeah, it absolutely. Seems relatively reasonable to me. Mm -hmm. um, uh, mostly for for people who are a little bit younger, maybe. Um, uh, I haven't really had any issues with like UBC students or anything like that with a guarantor. Yeah. I haven't really had any issues. Yeah. Like when that. done correctly, it's a leg off with applicant. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are also concerned about having out-of-town people coming, like students, for instance, as you just touched on. Mm -hmm. And, of course, they don't have the credit and all this stuff. And, you know, they've come usually from a different country or whatnot. But I think that people have to, that's sort of an educated risk to some degree. Because I don't think that anyone would send their flesh and blood child <laughs> over to somewhere just to be homeless. Without a house. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? So, like, they must have thought about this, too. I mean, there's still other checks that you can do and, and, and go through things. For sure. As best you can. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, I think that a lot of people are concerned with incoming students. And it's like, well, they've probably got some funds. Because if they're going to UBC... Last That's, time I checked, it ain't cheap. No, no. <laughs> I mean, personally, I look at the family structure. You know, um, me being Asian, you know, we, we do have a, a certain structure that we follow with the family. And if parents are going to supply the kid with money, you know, there, there's rules to follow. So if they have everything in, in place, then I generally you know, tell clients it is safe. right? But it's when those are like, oh, my father-in-law or some, somebody, my uncle or someone, sending me money but they can't really identify like what happens if rent stops then those ones are used red flags yeah absolutely so yeah i think we covered i mean a lot of the methods that people should use for any screening is there any ones that we haven't or missed or that you think somebody should know about do you have a secret sauce <laughs> mm. Don't want to reveal too much. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Can't get the cow away, right? <laughs> Excellent. So if anyone's looking for you guys um, to hire as a property manager or pick your brain, what's the best way to find y'all? 
Uh, yeah, you can give me a call or uh, email me at uh, peter at vancouverrentit.com. Pretty straightforward. Uh, maybe Kay's going to stick the link in there somewhere. Yeah, it'll be in the description, so it's all good. Perfect. <laughs> For myself, Ken at VancouverRentIt.com. Yeah, perfectly. Well, thank you very much. If you've gotten this far in our podcast, we really appreciate you listening. If you found anything useful, be sure to like and subscribe. And uh, we'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. Thanks. Thanks.